Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California, now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. And I was just driving by some of the mostly abandoned churches out here in the California desert. A lot of good community real estate, mostly if not totally abandoned. How do you take over a church? I don't mean the big powerful ones, whether the suburban megachurch or the Vatican or whatever. I mean just a little old church, a religious nonprofit, just sitting there, nobody's using it. I guess all you've got to do is find the person who runs the joint. Maybe it's down to the last person, the organist or whoever. The fourth junior deacon. And maybe you show up in a black suit with a briefcase and pretend to be an angel or something. The angels could disguise themselves as anything in the Bible days. Like the men in black back in the 1950s, these oddballs pretending to be some kind of government agents. Speaking tough guy talk from old movies. Listen, smart guy. Plenty of stuff could go wrong for you real quick. Maybe keep it zippered when you get in the itch to tell your buddies about the Martians wearing diving helmets and Batman capes milling around the crossroads at 2 a.m. Angels were constantly in a sort of psychic disguise. God knows what they really look like. Probably something like the deadlights in Stephen King's book, It. Just horrible, unspeakable orbs of crackling energy just outside our range of vision. And then, crack. There's often a crack when these things appear and disappear, and suddenly... Well, here's some visiting Bedouin coming by your tent. And even though the whole encounter is so strange... You go along with it. You are powerless to do anything else, really. So off he goes to the barn with your daughter. I guess not a barn, whatever the Bible story. This scenario comes up a lot with Hagar and Abraham. Is it Hagar? Hagar the Horrible? And then later they realize... Oh, that was really the angel of the Lord. I mean, whatever that is. But like the Phoenix Lights, which only showed up on videotape as these featureless orbs in a V-shape or a big line across the sky, maybe the angels are just these blobs of intelligent energy with the same psychic powers common to the UFOs and their related entities. 
The humans who saw the Phoenix Lights up close swore these massive craft were the most over-the-top things, clear as day and directly overhead. You could have hit it with a rock. People said that again and again, but nobody tried because they were hypnotized. They were enchanted. Some people saw elaborate fantasy craft with rainbow plumes of exhaust fluttering behind the slow-moving boomerangs. As if the thing was actually shooting through the sky. Instead of moving at walking pace over the northern suburbs of Phoenix. Some people saw all kinds of pipes and vents and ductwork just covering the enormous halls, like the details on the model of the Death Star, which was built out of spray-painted foam and plumbing fittings and plastic military plane models by the young hippies at Industrial Light and Magic in the San Fernando Valley, and filmed outside in the parking lot back in 1976 with that brilliant Southern California sunshine as the outdoor lighting for those Death Star trench runs. The thing about the angel of the Lord is sometimes it starts talking about God in the first person. And then you realize, oh boy, is the main God just walking around, getting over-involved in the lives of nomads who are basically just fighting with their own adult children over grazing rights. Sort of like the Bundys over in Nevada. So there you are. At the front door of the only surviving member of the Congregational Government of First Community Church of the Blessed Creosote, and it's time to make your move. Uh, just sign this, and I will become the director of the board of the church, you say. Whatever the title is. The Lord has sent me to take this tiresome burden off thine hands, etc. Or just tell the truth. Listen, nobody goes to this church anymore. And nobody even works here. So why not hand it and the property tax bills over to me, your new pastor, the right reverend, and I'll make good use of it for the community. Let me tell you what churches can offer you if you're wondering how to make where you live a better and more interesting place. Churches are nonprofits with really the lightest form of state or federal oversight. This is because of whatever it's called, the United States Bill of Rights. Always funny to remember that the Bill of Rights was an add-on. Not part of the U.S. Constitution as created by all those founding fathers during the plague in Philadelphia. Most of those disputes, as recounted in James Madison's notes on the Constitutional Convention, 
regarded what was an acceptable plague mask. Benjamin Franklin, always the wit, insisted that a pair of underwear made the best pandemic mask. And then they sent him to France. And then came the Bill of Rights, which has pretty much just enraged everybody for one reason or another ever since. But for our purposes, which is taking over underused churches in your community, it's a good thing. Churches have catering facilities, kitchens, and storage pantries, and seating for lots of people. You can have weddings there, and a community garden, and weekly movie nights, and bingo, which is legal gambling as a fundraiser. This is incredible. You can have concerts, whatever you want, punk rock, hip-hop, string quartets... Especially any kind of modern classical or ambient. Which just sounds fantastic in most church sanctuaries. Because of the resonance of the wooden pews and the natural echo from the high ceilings. The sanctuary is called the nave, really, but... Americans don't say nave unless they're Catholic or Episcopalian or maybe Scientologist... An interesting fact is that the word navy comes from nave. Because the nave is the ark. And at least some arks are boats. Noah's Ark, for instance. There probably really was a Noah or somebody like him. Somewhere in the Near East where the Great Flood really did wipe out a lot of low-lying agricultural settlements. I like to think it was an accident. Like in Louisiana where everybody has a boat and the dad would go sleep on the boat and drink beer and listen to the ball game when he got tired of the dreary annoyances and abuse of home life. And then he wakes up and, uh uh-oh, all the land is gone. It's just him and two of every animal. Two stray cats that were hunting vermin on the deck. Two rats they had not caught yet. And two bulldogs, unfortunately both male. Churches often have a preschool very handy these days for all the kids in and out of the public schools. And churches often have low-power legal radio transmitters. Think about that. Some even have access to the local cable TV system with the video cameras and everything. You get yourself a little church and you just might get yourself a community radio station, a community television station, the whole deal. What's not to like? 
Now, if you're thinking, well, I don't even believe in a religion, then I've got some good news for you. I bring you good news and glad tidings. Hardly anybody believes in a religion. It's just identity politics. Fitting in. Something to do. It's social. Look at the Unitarians. They don't believe in anything. Beyond their own self-righteousness. Could you have, say, a pagan church? Oh, hell yeah. 100%. Pagan just means country people. And if you're out here in a small desert town, then you are the country people. What's important to you and the people that you would like to convene with on a regular basis? Maybe protecting wilderness and ecosystems. Community gardens for socializing. And the wonderful enjoyment of bringing home a bunch of fresh greens that you can just throw in the oven with some olive oil and salt and pepper. Even kale tastes good like that. Most American churches are non-denominational, which just means they are not part of a larger grouping. Some join a confederation of similar churches, like the various branches of the Baptist, who, to be fair, have not lived up to the awesome weirdness of their supposed founder, John the Baptizer. Who, if you can believe the Gospels was supposed to be the real messiah. He was a true wild man who was loved by the gentry, the guilty people of wealth and taste. And then he was executed as a sort of party favor given by a decrepit old king to a pretty young girl to impress her. But she was repulsed as should have been expected. And then no more John the Baptist. Although the original religion that followed John still exists in a few pockets of the world, despite being hunted to near extinction, first by the Roman Church, and then by the Muslim bosses who eventually took over the region. Mandeans... The Gnostic religious group that reveres John the Baptist above all prophets still exists. The name comes from the Aramaic Mandea, meaning having knowledge, gnosis, knowing. And Mandala, if you're wondering, comes from Sanskrit and is now used around the world to describe the sacred circular patterns that help us enter a spiritual trance to know God if you've ever gone to an old cathedral and been entranced by the circular stained glass works you are getting some spiritual knowledge from the mandala manda in Aramaic, Mada in Hebrew, from the root word Yada, 
intelligence, consciousness, knowledge, science, which isn't the same as yada yada, which was popularized by Lenny Bruce doing a priest character. And it's maybe from the Scottish yatter yatter, which means blathered, uh, chatter continuously. Uh, speaking of John the Baptist, the Mandean prophet of wisdom, a lot of American churches have a baptismal too. Use it as you see fit. Nothing wrong with baptizing people if they're up for it. easiest way to get a church, of course, is to buy it. Buy the real estate. Take over the non-profit corporation if you can. Or just start your own. Start your own religious non-profit. I'm astounded more people don't do it. Of course, I'm astounded by all the things nobody does, even though they're easy things to do and endlessly satisfying. But in an absurdly overregulated civilization, at least in America, it's very easy to have a church. The problem is that most people, younger adults and young people especially, don't have any interest in church because they lack imagination. They are not following their creative urges. Yes, you can buy a church and you can put your crystals everywhere and have different yoga sessions every night of the week and a community lending library of books and movies and gardening tools and household tools. You can be a preacher, a pastor, a religious officiant, and it's not hard. I'm even a reverend, after all. And I have been for 20 years. I take it seriously. I have performed my duties as clergy when requested. Weddings, memorial services, etc. Why not do your job if people want you to do it? Everybody acts like Patreon and Amazon tip jars are some new method of keeping creative people employed, but the original patron of arts is the church. Whatever church and whatever culture or time. And the original Amazon tip jar is, of course, the empty wine jar that the crowd passed up to Jesus at that one wedding one time. Fill her up, they said. Things are outrageously difficult for most of us around the world. If we happen to be doing okay with money, we are very much not doing okay with life, with community, 
with saving our climate and our human environment where we live was spending our days in meaningful pursuit of meaningful goals and meaningful work. We are stuck in a peculiar mode of panicked late capitalism that is especially frustrating and feels very much at a breaking point. The pandemic and all the related chaos has made a lot of people seriously face the question of, why am I bothering? It's not new to human society, this longing, this dissatisfaction. But the deeply unsettled and remote joylessness and fear of it all sure makes it feel worse right now. Some things are going to change, at least enough to open a giant steam valve to release the pressures of so many deeply frustrated and unhappy people. does not have to be wrapped around a desire, an unlikely outcome of getting rich. church is to work on the aspect of prayer. The problem with prayer is that it's a wish. So you use up your energy, your willpower, in wishing. Wishing is a mental action, but it doesn't translate into the physical reality we live in outside of our heads. Chanting and invocations and mantras do work because they do what they are supposed to do. They calm the mind and the soul. They bring us peace in our time. But the American kind of prayer really doesn't work because you're just wishing things were different. If you go with more of a magic ritual sort of deal, as the actual prophets did, then you go from wishing to action. Because magical intent is simply deciding that something is going to happen, something plausible, something that can reasonably manifest in your world with the help of your mental and physical effort and whatever you call upon for help. And then you were simply on the lookout for the opportunity for it to happen. If your magic is directed at the usual things people have always gone to magic for, love, money, healing, then you have got to be willing to take what you can get. 
The money might be $5 you find in an old coat pocket, or it might be new income or a good investment return. Love may come, but it might not be just like you imagined. Oh well, sometimes it doesn't come at all. So maybe take what fate brings to the table. None of us will live forever. Many of us will go before our time. And nothing is ever perfect. But you can be physically and mentally and spiritually and psychically happier with a few changes, you know? Being outside makes you feel alive. Eating something decent makes you feel better than another Western double bacon cheeseburger combo. And cutting out the stuff that stresses you out like a commute or a psychic vampire. That is a kind of healing, and it counts. From Amboy to Zizix and across the Great Mojave Wilderness, this is Desert Oracle Radio broadcasting from Joshua Tree, and I am your host, Ken Lane. Soundscapes tonight were dreamed up and made into reality by our own red, blue, black, silver of the high desert. Go check out his internet music page on Bandcamp, including his new album, Five Flora, Volume 2. This morning I had the most beautiful walk, and it really cheered me up. You see, the regular place I go in the mornings is still in the shadows at 7 a.m. when I get out there. And as cold as a well digger's legs in that cold water. It was 30 degrees Fahrenheit this morning with no sunshine to make it tenable, so I thought, well, let's just slip into the gateway parcel. That's the enormous 600-plus acres of Joshua Tree woodland between Yucca Valley and Joshua Tree, purchased and maintained by the Mojave Desert Land Trust several years ago, because that land was already in the sunlight, and as I pulled up, there was the biggest family of coyotes I've ever seen at one time, doing what they do, making use of the wildlife corridors the Gateway Preserve protects. There were a couple of huge adult males. I mean, it looked like some of Joe Biden's German police dogs escaped, you know? And my dog was losing it, just howling in the back. Do you not see all those coyotes? Well, I saw them. I let them pass. And they gave me a lot of heavy glances as they ambled by. Mutual respect for the moment. As long as I deserve it until I eventually fall from misfortune or misadventure. And then they can have at me. So we got out and we had the most beautiful morning hike. San Gorgonio, covered in snow to the west. The warm sun on my back, even though it never got out of the mid-30s. So thanks to the Mojave Desert Land Trust for taking care of that place. For all of us, for the kids too, you know, the junior high borders it on the western edge. That whole living science biology lab is right there. Get out of those COVID classrooms, kids. Go run around and get some choya in your underutilized ankles. 
Good night from the Voice of the Desert. <laughs>